there a doctor in the house? Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a bad case of loving you. Doctor. 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 And doctor. It's time for Advanced Medicine Monday with Dr. Rashid Batar. I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer. I'm a doctor, not a mechanic. I'm a doctor, not a coal miner. The doctor is in. As we continue with Advanced Medicine Monday, guess what? It's time for Dr. Rashid Batar to rejoin me and. Uh, last hour, Doctor Batar, it was incredible. We, you know, revealed some things. Of course, you are uh, up on up on up to speed on, and have been for a long time because of your awareness of the dangers of vaccinations as such. But it's still incredibly fascinating, revealing sometimes a nauseating and sickening to see how tied in the petrochemical industry, the pesticide industry, is in the production and manufacture of these vaccines now referencing the army field manual coming from departments of agriculture referencing ddt and relationship to additives that are currently in use in year 2011 in vaccines yeah you know i, th- I think that the the i don't know what the date of the military manual is but i would venture that it's an older manual oh it comes back from the 1940s this was released yeah. that's right yeah so and, and of course none of that's changed it's still being used uh, in that same manner but it is something that is alarming. I mean, you, you look at the uh, material safety data sheets that were put out by the pharmaceutical companies themselves, specifically uh, Eli Lilly, in 1991, the same year, excuse me, I think it was the year before 1990, the year before the National Vaccine Initiative, which was to stamp out all supposed childhood diseases mm-hmm. by giving children vaccines on the first day on the planet as opposed to you know waiting for six months or a year, and then, of course, stacking them all on the first day that they're born as opposed to spreading them out. This, this was all started in 1991. But the year before that, 1990, the material safety data sheet by Eli Lilly regarding thimerosal clearly showed how thimerosal was a known neurotoxin known to cause neurological deficits, including but not limited to mental retardation. Yeah. In fact, this material safety data sheet, a copy of which I have, is what uh, I think it was Good Morning America when they wanted me to be on the show and then at the last minute they killed the story. It was a five-part special they had in uh, autism, they were really, really excited to see it. They actually doubted the existence of this. I sent them a copy. They couldn't believe it. Yes. And um, then, of course, they didn't cover the then story. Then they shelved it, of course. And and this is the kind of, it's taken to the new media. You know who's become the real investigative journalist on planet Earth? Not the so-called journalists, but the parents who have vaccine-injured children. And this is the case with Jeffrey Ofterheide, who we had on last hour from VacTruth.com. These people are, you know, a living inspiration. They're fueled by uh, anger and intensity. And who wouldn't be angry with what has happened? At the same point, they're trying their level best to not have this happen to any other children. And I say, God bless them for doing it. I'm so sorry. Just as you know your experience, we've shared it many times, and it's in your book, The Nine Steps to Keep the Doctor Away, how your child's injuries have really stimulated a whole new life that's helped thousands, hundreds of thousands, perhaps millions of people. Well, you know, Robert, I've always said that you can mess with pretty much anything that a man has. You can mess with a man's property, you know, his cars, his money, even his wife. But, man, you don't want to mess with a man's child. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just, and this is the new, the new Milton stance that certain parents have taken. And I can, right off the bat, just in my own patient population, name off two dozen parents that are very well educated, non-conspiratorial, very level-headed people that have 
practically become militant. I mean, there's no other way to describe it. Right. Uh, in their in their outlook and uh, the viewpoint of the subject. Well, it's being forced upon them. I mean, many of these people are peace loving people. I mean, it, it's 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 a rare person that genuinely loves to take up arms. I mean, there is a you know a training you've been through military. You you can talk better about it than I can. But at the same point, a parent, you know, a loving parent, you want to raise your children. Suddenly, you're forced into a situation where your ch- your child has been damaged or threatened with damage after you recognize the threat that it is. And then you suddenly become a warrior. You must in the protection of your child. And at this point, we're seeing the moms and the dads out there. I call the warrior moms and dads are the ones that are really driving the vaccine industry. I won't say into hiding, but on the defensive. And now they're trying to attack the parents, which is a misguided effort. It's only backfiring on them. And now when we go back to history of the 1940s and look at these, this Triton X100, this tween 80, this tween 20 that's now been, you know, relabeled as polysorbate 20, polysorbate 80, Triton X100. I mean, these things are in vaccines today relating back to pesticide manufacturer, including DDT, all those years ago. You know, how much more do we need to realize how criminal these people are that are forcing this on kids? You know, the criminal aspect and the negligent aspect, it's been covered in many different ways. People describe it in different manners. But, you know, to me, as, as I've said to you before on numerous occasions, it has to it, – it goes even beyond criminal to yeah. the simple difference between good and evil. I mean, right. you know, you look at power, you look at motivation of uh, economical uh, issues, financial issues, but at, the, at a certain juncture – it just goes beyond anything that can be defined, such as power, money, whatever. Because when you're dealing with children, when you're dealing with you know those that are completely vulnerable, and not just a couple of children, or you're talking about society as a whole. This is our future. We're talking about. We're, this is our the, the future of mankind. We're talking about. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. It's nothing less than that. And I talked last hour too about the wake up call that is very brutal. Um, and, and, and yesterday I had a fascinating inter- interview with uh, Jim Mars, who wrote the, the tr- this new book, The Trillion Dollar Conspiracy. And he talked in terms of, you know, what they use against all of us is our goodness, that we actually believe in life and protecting life. And they perceive that we are going to perceive, well, others would too. We would, oh, people would never do that. Dr. Pitar, they would never knowingly inject that into a child and then hide the evidence that it was harmful, would they? And of course, we recognize throughout history, humans have been capable of great inhumane acts against other humans and animals. And the fact that we don't and we wouldn't is used against us because then we're perceiving, well, no one else would do that. So then we call it a conspiracy, and then we, we brush it off. I mean, the, atrocity, uh, the atrocities go beyond. In fact, this, to me, this is the greatest atrocity ever committed against mankind, against humankind. This makes, as you've heard me say before, this makes Hitler look like you know, uh, a, a good guy because at least he didn't try to annihilate the entire human race. I mean, I'm not saying that what Hitler did by any stretch of the imagination had any justification or goodness to it, but compared to what we're now doing on a global population... Yeah, I mean, it's everybody. Take, yeah, you're right. Yeah, You take Gates, you know, for example, who's given, I don't know how many hundreds of millions, I think it was $80 million uh, to take vaccines and ship them to the third world countries. Well, my God, I mean, how many people is he maiming by doing that? Mm-hmm. Well, and it's one of those things that, you know, we talk about, as you said, the, the it becomes a conspiratorial only because people's goodness, people's in, within their own hearts, they don't believe that the government or anybody else could be capable of doing something like this. And 
I've even had people ask me. Um, in fact, Boyd and I, Boyd Haley and I, were at a conference, and we were having a conversation between ourselves. And a parent came up. This was, I think, it's Autism One, and they asked this question too. You know, what would their real motivation be? I mean, you know, we say that it's evil, we say it's bad, or it's this or that, whatever. Sure. But what really, what would their underlying motivation be? And I think Boyd said it very well. He said, you know, at a certain point, when you've been appointed to carry on a task and you failed at that task, it now becomes an embarrassment to admit it. And it's, it, and I believe he's right that at this point, it's not that they necessarily condone it now, because I think they they really did something wrong. Mm. It was. It was very sinister, uh, but I don't think that the initial cascade of the people that were at least uh, responsible for it necessarily did it out of um, that, quote, evilness or power or anything else else like that. I think there were certain people involved with it that may have had that agenda, but I think that as a whole, the general people that were in control of this, these decisions, made a mistake. And when they found out that they'd made that mistake, it was too embarrassing you can't admit that you've made the gravest of errors, especially when you are appointed to be the safety advocates, the the break, if you will, to prevent this type of stuff from happening. And you basically admit, you would have right. to admit that you were obsolete and fell asleep at the wheel, that you were incompetent to the highest level of how that word could be defined as being, in, you know, as, as incompetence would describe it, by failing to recognize the detriments of doing this with the vaccines to allow children to be inoculated at such a young age and, and stack them one upon each other. And so you have no other choice but to perpetuate this lie and act as if it's true. And so the, uh, the counterpoint, the counter people on the other side of the South, they have no other choice but to say, of course they wouldn't do that. Nobody would be that sinister. Nobody would do this. You know, you're talking about a 30, 40 year ongoing uh, issue here. This yeah. is not something that's happened in the last week or last month or something like the Treasury or you know printing of money. We're talking about something that's been going on for 30 or 40 years. What could motivate somebody to do that? Well, I think that to me, even if I've done something that was that atrociously wrong, to continue doing it, that's where it becomes evil. Yeah, the, the, the delusions that happen from this just to keep them in some semblance of sanity is driving them into insane levels of criminality and beyond criminality into evil. And this is a, you know, it's frightening at the same time. You know, we just came through the 10 year anniversary of, of the attacks in 9-11. And I covered them, you know, in a very conspiratorial perspective way because these were planned agendas by certain groups that have, I believe, hijacked the government for them, to, for us to say, oh, that was an inside job. You know, that's easily to d- dismiss. And it, it really doesn't say what's going on when you have, controlling agents that are even beyond your own government at this point it's not even us it's not even our government and these are the things that are very hard to confront and of course they're dismissed readily because of the way language is used and of course they need to dismiss it that's where the old media the old mainstream media is something that people are turning off in droves yet i'm very concerned about other false flag operations designed to keep people frightened like even Hollywood participating with this movie called Contagion they just released. We've been talking about that. And literally, the CDC is salivating over this because it makes them look like heroes when we realize the way to prevent these so-called outbreaks is not with vaccination. It's by addressing the terrain and reducing the toxin exposure out there in the world. Well, I, I agree with you. Um, but on the counterpoint, Robert, there are many movies that are out there that actually show the other opposite viewpoint to um just there's a movie called mercury rising with bruce willis in there mm. and 
about uh, three decades ago. I think it was in 1983 it came out. And I remember the first time I saw it, it just put the hair on my back, mm. you know, the back of my neck stand straight up. I mean, the n- name of the movie was Mercury Rising. And it's about a child who, get this, is autistic, who breaks the national security uh, agency's codes. And uh, they think that he's a, a terrorist and they're going after this child who's like 13 years old. But, you know, I mean, how many people know that uh, in the conventional realm, in the conventional medical realm, people think the children that are autistic are just not aware. And yet, in all actuality, they're genius levels of uh, intellect. These people, these children have a raw cognitive ability that far exceeds that of their peers. And although I haven't been able to prove it yet, I believe that the same allele that defines this genetic polymorphism for the inability to excrete metals, especially mercury, is the same allele that defines raw cognitive ability. I have had children that can do complex mathematical equations but can't talk, but they can do it on the computer or, you know... um, You're talking like the autistic savant kind of concept? Is that in that realm? Well, it's actually the autistic savant is actually really a misnomer because Mm -hmm. virtually every child that's autistic is far superior cognitively than their peer group. So I believe that these children that are being affected, it's not just children being affected, it's the most intelligent, superior, the most intellectually superior children are being affected by this. So it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a fascinating uh, perspective here. I'm hearing from you uh, for almost the first time in this lot level of detail, and I, and I definitely want to cover some more with you on that if you're willing to discuss some more after this break. Would that be all right? Absolutely. All right, fascinating discussion here on Advanced Medicine Monday with Dr. Rashid Bittar. Remember his book, The Nine Steps to Keep the Doctor Away. I've got that linked up at the blog at robertscottbell.com. The number, if you ever want to call with a question or comment, 866-939-BELL, 866-939-2355. Coming right back with more powerful healing with Dr. Rashid Bittar right here on the Robert Scott Bell Show. Thank you to everybody listening through naturalnewsradio.com. And as well, you just uh, put that email address in there and you will get a daily update. And you'll have all the links as well that we have to Dr. Rashid Bittar as well as his uh, wonderful book. And we'll talk more about that. But Dr. Bittar, last segment, you really uh, uh, brought out something fascinating in regards to the assault in those kids that are autistic. Um, the damage that it does to them. You mentioned the intelligence. You mentioned alleles and things that a lay audience, I don't want to assume they know and understand what you're saying. So let's back it down and really go down into some plain English for people to understand what is that assault? How are you referencing it in terms of children with above average or beyond average intelligence and how this relates to the autism? That would be a fascinating thing to continue with. Sure. Actually, I I didn't realize that we haven't talked about this on the show, Robert. Uh, It's something that I did do in the um, I did mention in quite extensive detail in the DVD the Know Your Options right. medical series Autism the Misdiagnosis of Our Future Generations and I've also discussed this in a number of conferences where I've lectured but essentially if you look at a child that's been damaged and I've, let me just go over this definition again just so everybody knows for those that may not have heard me say this before yes. to me there is no such thing as autism autism is nothing more than a mercury accumulation, um, all metals uh, are involved, but mercury by far the most significant being uh, because it's causing more neuronal degradation than the typical metals. And in fact, the neuronal degradation that mercury causes 
uh, is none of the other metals cause that type of destruction. To no, the same not level. to that but, extremity. No, I mean, to mercury exactly. is is horrific. It, you know, as I have said from the materia medica within the homeopathic realm, we see pages and pages and pages and pages and pages more than almost any other substance on the planet that we know of uh, neurological and other impacts on the body a neg- of a negative context uh, in very small amounts. I mean, this is right. one of the most toxic substances on the planet. Exactly, and it's the second most toxic to be toxic to be specific. Um, and of course, you know, you know, like lead causes a decrease in IQ, and some of these other things do. But lead um, or any of these other metals don't come even close to mercury. So, to me, mer- autism is simply mercury toxicity on board a physiology that is incapable of excreting or impaired from its natural ability to excrete. So, when you look at the studies that talk about uh, excretion of heavy metals, specifically mercury. Hair is a very good vector to look at because hair, um, you have to interpret it the right way, but hair, when analyzed for neurotypic children compared to children that have the diagnosis of autism, the neurotypic children have four times the level of mercury in their hair. The neurotypic meaning normal children developing normally with no neurological impairments, they have a mercury level that is four times higher than their counterparts that have autism when looking at mercury levels. Now, the first question would be, well, wait a second, how can the normal child have four times the level of mercury? Because isn't mercury supposed to be causing autism? And if so, then why wouldn't you see it higher in the autistic child? Well, remember that hair is a dead tissue. It's an excrement. So the children that are neurotypic, their hair, it has four times the level of mercury because the mercury is coming out. It's the children that have... No mercury coming out. If it's not coming out of the hair, then it's locked in the system. And that's the reason Very that their physiology is being assaulted because they can't get rid of it. It's just like somebody being constipated. Mm-hmm. You can think of it that way. Well, remember that the, uh, the the mainstream of allopathic medicine that tries to deny any link between mercury and autism or um, the vaccinations and any damage have utilized that argument against you and others uh, to say, hey, look, see, there's no mercury in their hair, so it must not right. be there. And, 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 of course, simply using a very simple, um, almost um, ignorant way of looking. I mean, you can't just – it's the way that they're saying it is that every time I see fire engines <laughs> uh, or every time I see fires, I see fire engines. Therefore, I conclude that fire engines cause fire. Right, exactly. Yeah. It just lacks logic. And so they're not interpreting what we're seeing. They're just taking a, a very broad – correlation and coming up with a deduction that's completely erroneous. So when you come back to this concept of the intelligence, the raw cognitive ability, after taking, having taken care of almost 1,500 children now directly and our protocols having been utilized worldwide and over 25,000 kids have now been util- treated in some way, fashion, or form using our protocols, there's one very, very clear observation. In fact, it's so clear that it um, virtually smacks you in the face. Mm. These children, when they come back out of it, once we're successful in treating them, they accelerate. They're like almost propelled out of a grenade launcher. They're so fast in what they're learning and they become like sponges and they're picking everything up. But even the children that are damaged, their ability to do certain things is so profoundly superior than that of their counterparts. It's it's scary. Uh, I had a case of a child from Norway that was coming to us and the father was a I believe he was a mechanical engineer, and around their fifth or sixth visit, the child 
had been very self-destructive and um, would you know pull his pants down and defecate in the middle of a room public. I did, he was completely out of control. Would hit his head in the wall. Wow. Very very self-destructive. On the autism spectrum, he would have been classified as a severely autistic child. In fact, that is what his diagnosis was. Anyway, within within about the sixth time they came to us, and this is they were coming basically every month and sixth seventh month. Totally different child. Now, of course, he's not talking yet. He's, you know, not um, communicating, but he is no longer self-abusive. He's no longer defecating in the middle of, you know, of a room and uh, much more socially acceptable behavior. And the long and the short of it is that as I walk in the exam room, dad greets me and basically the child is sitting there watching a video. Dad's computer sitting right there and he excuses himself as I come in because he needs to go to the restroom himself. So I say, sure, no problem. He goes to the restroom. I sit down and I start writing the chart. And I look, I'm looking at the child. He's sitting there, you know, doing the video, watching the video. And I notice as I'm writing the chart, the child gets up and walks over to his dad's computer. I don't think anything of it. He sits down. He starts doing something. I'm not even cognizant that this could be wrong or anything. And I'm just you know, writing the chart. Dad comes back in the re- into the exam room, sees his son on his computer, on his laptop. In other words, the child's no longer watching the video on his little video player, portable video player. He's now on his dad's computer. Yeah. Dad freaks out, you know, grabs him, says, no, 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 you know, and, and sets the kid back in front of his video. Kid calmly sits in front of the video. Dad goes back, picks up his laptop, puts his in lap, and looks at me and starts apologizing to me because of his, uh, essentially because he got so animated and was so upset because his right. son was on the computer. And he starts to explain to me yes. that he was working on this problem, this mechanical engineering problem for the last three weeks, and he just you know, doesn't want his son to mess it up. Okay, okay. I said, no problem, you know, and I, I'm writing the chart. And so I started asking him, you know, about the RAP TV score, how's he doing, you know, what, what's the subjective findings, you know, what's he seen improvements in, and <clears throat> what's gotten worse, and... As I'm talking to him, I notice there's no response from the father, and I turn from my chart, because I was flipping through the chart at the same time, I look at the father, and the father's face is like frozen to the computer screen. I I have a feeling where this may be going, but this is fascinating. I mean, just staring at this computer screen, like locked on. Yeah. And I ask him, I say, are you you okay? And he doesn't respond to me, and then he looks up, and when he looks up at me, he has tears in his eyes. Hmm. And he looks down at the computer screen again, and he just starts bawling. And I'm like, I'm thinking, oh, what, shit, what this is, kid, you yeah, know, kid destroyed his, his computer, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I had, I, I'm, I'm tr- sitting here, it's not used to seeing a father look at a computer screen and start crying like that. Right. And he starts to explain to me that he's been working in this mechanical injuring problem for three weeks and he couldn't figure it out. And he said, the answer's right here in front of me. My son just figured it out. His son had been on the computer for less than three minutes. And how old is this boy? Uh, he must have been uh, eight, maybe nine. Eight or nine. Yeah. You know, this, so this, this fall- kid that can't speak. Yeah. This is a, that can't speak. He's had no math or English training. Supposedly, he's never um, been able to communicate beyond gestures. And he got on a computer and figured out a problem that his dad had been struggling with. Who's a PhD? Uh, you know, having a degree, higher ed- degree in uh, mechanical engineering, and. Um, Hadn't been able to figure out the problem for three weeks. Well, people so, wonder where, Dr. Batar, you get your perspective on, on this idea of the superintelligence of these so-called autistic-diagnosed children. I mean, that's one, one example of probably a number of them, but that's pretty profound to yeah, say the least. Actually, I can actually tell you something, Robert. Yeah. Um, I've actually proven this in conferences where I've had a 1,000 parents in the audience, mm-hmm. and I've 
challenge them and to prove them to them. And I, I'll ask, start asking them for a show of hands. For instance, I don't know. Do we have enough time before we go into this? Yeah, we do. We break? got a few minutes. Okay. No problem. Okay. So the first thing I'll ask is I'll ask for a show of hands. How many of your children that uh, if the parents here in the audience, how many of your children have you noticed that seem to be just um, enamored with oscillation, the oscillation move or a circle? And I'll probably have maybe 10%, maybe 15% of the people who raise their hand. I said, okay, now think about this oscillation of the circle. What is so amazing about it? I mean, you know, you and I may not think about this, but something that's a circle, something like a lid or a coin or a wheel, it's fascinating because you can actually hold it in your hand, and yet it represents infinity. Mm -hmm. It has no beginning, it has no end, it goes on forever, and yet it's finite. Okay? Now, most of the people sitting there looking at me going, what the hell is he talking about? But follow follow this, because I noticed this with actually my youngest brother who used to, uh, he has an IQ of 187. Uh, He has an IQ, I think, two points higher than Einstein's. And uh, when he was a little kid, you know, all we had to do to entertain him was take a piece of paper, draw a circle on it, yeah. and he would sit there and he would watch it and put his finger on that circle and go over and over and over again. And he, I remember when he used to lay down on the ground, you know, like on the carpet or something, he would look up at the at the fan and just be fascinated with this oscillation movement. Right. And so when I was uh, in those points of my life when I was struggling and trying to figure out which way do I go when I was treating Abby, when I was trying to figure out what to do with Abby and how to help him, I remember – Three o'clock in the morning, he he was crying. I I woke up, you know, took care of him, and I brought him out into the living room, and I laid him down on this big cushion in the in the living room, and I'm looking at him, and I'm I'm praying, saying like, "What do I do to help my son?" And as I'm looking at him, I realized he was staring at something. He was fat because he'd been crying for like literally half an hour, and he was not fine, but he was fixed. His eyes were fixed, and I looked up, and the fan was moving. And he was just mesmerized by the fan, just following the motion. And I suddenly remembered my brother, when he, my youngest brother, how he used to do that. And then I started observing this. So now I've got about 10 to 15% of the audience says, yes, they've noticed that. But the other 85% of people have no idea. So then I ask him, all right, now, for you, 85% of the people that haven't noticed this, when your child plays with a car, does he play with a car or a truck or a train like a normal child where they just run the truck up and down? Or do they set it on the table and get down next to it so that the eye levels are at the level of the wheel and watch the wheel. Mm. And suddenly there are people that are like – you hear the audience erupt. Like literally there's like – Everybody this, goes that, – yes, that's what my like, child does. Yeah. yeah. I mean like 50 to 60 percent of the audience at that point will raise their hand like, oh my god, that's exactly how my son – You know, they don't play with it like my other kids did. They don't right. play with it like other kids. They always get down. They're always – you know, the eye level is to the level of the wheel. Yeah. Or if it's on the ground, they will put their head on the floor and they'll watch the wheels. Right. They're right. watching that oscillation movement, okay? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I will take this to the next level, next level, and I'll continue it, Robert, till the point that 95% or more of the people, usually more like 99% of will the people recognize in the this. audience, they, they're like, oh my god, this is something that I never even realized. Hmm. This is fascinating. Let, let's take a break now and get to the other side of this because, again, this is a, a new concept for a lot of people and maybe uh, many of the parents that, that have uh, been affected in this way haven't seen this. And, and let's see where that leads to because they're in the profound positive aspects of what you've done to help many of these children and parents to undo this and to get back on a life of health, vitality, healing to the greatest degree possible. Uh, this could lead to some great clues as to how to help those that are most in need. 
Dr. Rashi Bittar is my guest, as he is every Monday special guest here with what we do, the advanced medicine segments, doing some medical rewind, if we will, unwinding some of these things as we go. We'll be right back with more powerful healing after this. The Robert Scott Bell Bell Show. We are back, and I'm riveted to this discussion today, Dr. Bittar. I know we've talked about a lot of things over the, the weeks and months that we've done this, and years we've known each other. And this particular topic on the air, we've not really covered in depth. So I appreciate your willingness to, to travel along this place that I know you've traveled many times, but many people are as fascinated as I am with it now as we're talking about those in the autistic spectrum, even though, as you've described it, autism is nothing more than, as you said, the heavy metal toxicity, particularly mercury more than anything. Uh, but also you you have identified this issue with the high level of intelligence. We mentioned the alleles. We haven't gone back into that. But the fascination with oscillation, with the wheels, with the circle, with the movement. Now you've got 95 to 99 percent of the audience of, of autistic parents, basically children who, with autism, uh, agreeing with you. Where does this go next? Well, the reason that this observation came to fruition was because I have experienced children in such dramatic fashion exhibiting their superiority when it comes to their cognitive function it, it, it's it just takes your breath away i mean my son i'm a nationally ranked chess player my son abby beat me in chess when he was three and a half years old wow i have had children that have never been formally trained in music but they can read music or they can't talk but they can spell uh, they can do math, yet they've never been taught to do math. They can use computers, and they can figure out problems and mazes and puzzles where other children of their own age group can't even fathom how to start, and they've never been trained how to do this. And so by repetitively observing this particular behavior, I started to look at this This wheel aspect is something that you know, the circular aspect, the oscillation aspect is something that I – started realizing that you know how children play with the car it's different autistic children playing with car compared to normal children neurotypic children started making these correlations over the last decade but the 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 allele when i talk about an allele essentially we have chromosomes we get half of our um genetic code from a mother half of our genetic code from a father uh, simplistically speaking yeah and an allele is basically a part of that chromosomal material that we're getting from one parent or the other parent. And uh, alleles are sub-fragments of those chromosomes, and they define certain characteristics, behaviors, um, you know, components such as our hair color or height or this or that, whatever it may be. Just basically, it's our blueprint, essentially, is what it comes down to. And I, in cert- these alleles define specific components of our blueprint. And so there's multiple alleles in the chromosome, etc. And I believe that the allele... Uh, that defines the inability of the body to excrete metals because that that's what autism is is nothing more than metal toxicity on board a physiology that is can't deal with it it can't deal with that exactly so there's some type of a polymorphism meaning meaning something that has morphed or something has changed on the on some allele and i believe the allele that is changed in happens to be the same allele that defines raw cognitive ability these alleles are essentially think of it as a file or a program that's specific for a set of different patterns and i believe the pattern just so happens that or the file that so happens to define the inability of the body to get 
rid of these metals, or or maybe I should say the allele, the, the file that defines the ability to get rid of this material that shouldn't be in the body, happens to be damaged, and that same file contains the raw cognitive ability aspect. So that raw cognitive ability is still there. It's just damaged because that one part of it has been mutated. Yes. So when we when we talk about this, uh, let's say the identification of this link or connection, do we see the repair, for instance, of the genetic integrity, which we know we can do nutritionally or otherwise through detoxification? Does it leave the cognition intact? I mean, I know this is a leading question, but I want to you know bring it bring that about. If you identify this uh, these brilliant abilities, is it something that is lost to autism, or is there something that when we resolve it, restore it through detox at earlier and earlier ages, hopefully, uh, what do we see as a result? What should we expect as a result? Well, that's the beauty of this, Robert. Despite the fact these children are damaged, their raw cognitive ability exhibits itself. Mm-hmm. So it's not like being hindered. Uh, it, it, it's just it, you see flashes of it come through. Mm-hmm. And you realize that, oh, my God, the brain is still there. And it's not only just a regular brain. It is a very incredible and vibrant and brain that is capable of doing Highly sophisticated functions. Sure. I mean, I'll give you a perfect example. A lot of the doctors then they're talking about you know reversal of autism, and I've seen these so-called reversals at Dan and all these different groups. Evan, this is the same thing that my patients have told me. When you see these children on the stage, yes, they can talk, yes, they can communicate, but if you tell them a joke, they don't understand it. They don't have the higher cognitive functions of laughter and strategy. My children, when we treat them, they understand strategy. They begin playing games like chess. They're playing hide-and-go-seek. They understand the concepts. They understand humor. Dr. Anju Usman, who's one of the students that came through my training program, who's one of the Dan Think Tank um, uh, instructors, she gave a case study of a child that she treated from the age of 2 till the age of 11. And this child had been a patient for 9 years and had had market improvements, but still was considered from all measurements autistic. And then six months on our protocol, she said this kid started playing jokes on his siblings. He became he basically went off the the spectrum. He was no longer considered to be autistic by the doctors that had diagnosed him, et cetera, et cetera. So my point being mm-hmm. that these these components of strategy, these components of um, of um, humor, understanding humor, these are higher cognitive functions. And these children, when we treat them and we bring them back, they come back not only fully intact, but then you start seeing the true power mm-hmm. of their cognition. And even b- before some of these children have been treated, we see some of this, imp- some of the evidence of this because it hasn't compromised that component fully. Some, in some kids it may have, but it certainly comes back in every one of them as long as we effectively treat them. Dr. Batari, we're, you know, we're not advocating for damaging children with mercury. I mean, that's not the thing. I think some people, you know, I've heard groups that say autism is a special gift, right? And, and they, they don't want anybody to mess with them now because of you, what, some of what you've recognized, maybe they see this special intelligence or whatever. But I mean, on, on a real level, I mean, they're damaged by the mercury. We've got to get that stuff out here. So I, I want to be sure that the clarity of those that are listening right now understand what you're saying here. Well, I, I believe that um, a child that has autism is a gift. I do believe that. But it certainly is not the gift. The gift itself isn't that some bastard poisoned our child. The gift was a child and, the, and their abilities. And then we as man allowed for the child to be poisoned. And anybody who advocates leaving a child alone because we poisoned them mm-hmm. doesn't even deserve to have that child in the first place as far as I'm concerned. Right. I wanted to be be sure that that was clear in that regard because we've got many ways we, we can help these kids. 
and uh, you know recognize that, that they do need help in this regard. Not not without nothing, a doubt. It, yeah. they, 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 having a child. Having any child is a blessing, but those that are saying that a child with autism is a special blessing, you know what? I would agree with that, but to say that that child is a blessing, I agree with that part only. Right. I don't agree with the fact that it's a blessing that some idiot mutated <laughs> my child by giving him a poison, yeah. for God's sake, because these children are more uh, cognitively gifted. These children, that's one reason my DVD is called Autism, the Misdiagnosis of Our Future Generations, because Robert, mm-hmm. our brightest minds are the ones that are being affected the most. That's what this comes down to. Right. That's why this is so sinister. Well, it, 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 that are going to help take us to the next age from, mm-hmm. you know, we came from the Stone Age all the way up to the Metal Age and to the Information Age, and the next age is supposed to be the Golden Age. Those mm-hmm. leaps and bounds that we're supposed to be taking as a society, as a global society, was because of the minds of the, the more cognitively gifted individuals in our society. And it's those very same cognitively gifted minds that we're talking about that are being assaulted, that are being damaged, which is going to impact and affect our future. Well, as, it as brings up you know, that more of that sinister perspective of the, the vaccine paradigm and it, its attempt to uh, claim if they could just get everybody that we'd all be healthier. I mean, the reality is if the end result is the damage of, of these children that are coming in to try and take us to another level, and I believe that consciousness shifts throughout history and it's shifting again, if we could limit that uh, positive benefit, then of course those that love control over the rest of us could maintain that control longer. So you get to a really sinister perspective here that needs to be considered as we look at life and all of the challenges towards it. Now, what of the children that aren't damaged by vaccines that are coming in with this level of intelligence it doesn't mean that they're not already there they they have it they're expressing it but what we're seeing is that those that are impacted by these vaccines more tend to be those that have that if we call it a gift ready and willing and able to be able to completely express it but then are limited in that expression by the other aspects of the damage of the mercury and other metals well robert you look at attention deficit yeah attention deficit is nothing more than a mild case of mercury toxicity on board a mild physiology impairment. But these people have the same issue, and they're extremely intelligent. Mm-hmm. I mean, ADD, ADHD, uh, PBD, um, PPD, NOS, the autism spectrum delay, you know, yeah. they're all part of that whole spectrum. Well, I think and- about the, the leap that could be made in consciousness once we all recognize the danger and deleterious aspect of, of violating the immune system in so many layers with this with these vaccines, even if they don't contain mercury, as we said, the other chemicals we referenced earlier as we started today about going way back in time. But imagine if we have generations of children that are allowed to flourish because they're given proper nutrition and their detox systems are adequately supported to address the environment they're born into. My gosh, where we could be going. Well, that's that's the whole thing. That's one reason that every time I have a parent cry on the phone because they remember where they were three months, six months, nine months, a year ago, and now where their child is, you know, it's um, – although I don't like anybody crying, those are tears of, of gratefulness and, and of um, – um, they're just happy to be in that place, but it reminds me of exactly what you just said. Just think of the change, the the leap that would be made if everybody started realizing this. And, of course, you know, we, we – we treat one patient at a time, and, and uh, more and more people are getting get, getting the word, and slowly. I mean, it's amazing to me. I get new patients in autism because I haven't lectured at an aut- autism conference in almost four years, and I haven't been asked to only because of, you know, when I fought the medical board and such, and, of course, um, the 
groups that host these conferences, I have never seen one yet that had any integrity whatsoever because they always have an agenda. They, they don't right. care about – they're always trying to sell something or trying to do this or trying to do that, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but yet we still organically, we have more and more and more and more patients coming to us. It's all because they've met so-and-so whose child was treated and now the child's neurotypic and they want their child to experience the same thing or they heard about it or they read about it and mm-hmm. you know, they saw the DVD, whatever the case is. That's proof positive that our success uh, of the treatment, and it's not even so much the treatment. It's any way that you can get the mercury out of the body. For God's sake, any any way you can get it out, get it out. Yes. And you know, I believe that the way that we have is the is the best. It seems to work the best. But certainly, any kind of treatment that it may it may not work as well as what we're doing. And I'm I'm always searching for a better way. But you know, that's the one thing people, I, I want everybody. If you're just new to the Robert Scott Bell Show and Doctor Batar's weekly visits here with Advanced Medicine, the one thing that's so astounding about Doctor Batar, with all of his knowledge, information wisdom and experience is that he remains completely open to new methods methodologies treatments energetics and all of that which to me is you know again the mark of, of a true healer and teacher and you know we have mutual respect dr batar but i want to acknowledge especially those that are new to understand how profound and important it is because it is still somewhat rare compared to what we would like to see it well robert uh, you know I think that the greatest problem with our profession, with the medical profession, is the pompous arrogance that comes with becoming a physician, thinking that you know everything. And I mean, I was there 15 years ago. I thought I knew everything there was to know about medicine. I used to sit back, kick, I'll kick my legs up in the emergency room, say, "Bring me anything. I can handle anything." Well, you know what? Acute care, yes, I could. But there's so much in medicine we absolutely don't know. And the more we learn the more we realize we don't i mean i myself am probably more open now than i have ever been and every day i become i mean i'm i've seen the strangest things and and the more stranger they are yeah. the more i want to see it because i know that the natural instinct is is this possible and yet your training tells you don't look at this but we also know that what the training has taught you up to this point has all been wrong <laughs> so you look at everything else out there to see what's possible. And and the possibilities are absolutely endless. I mean, one of the things that's just so blatantly obvious now, and I've, I've actually had this argument with this conventional doctors, when they were talking about, oh, this energy medicine is garbage. You know, the, 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 how can you have something that's measuring this, you know, this, these uh, things that you stick in the wall and changes the electrical circuitry and blah, blah, blah. Come on, that, that's just preposterous. And I said, do I have to remind you that when you do an electrocardiogram, you're measuring the electrical activity of the myocardium and of the cardiac muscle? Or when you're doing an electroencephalogram, you're measuring the activity hmm. of the brain. Yeah. And now all of a sudden you tell me that there's an electrical Energy impulse that's going to affect the system. Yeah. And you're telling me it's not going to have some kind of effect. I mean, are you an imbecile or are you an imbecile? Go pound sand. <laughs> I'm sorry? I said, go pound sand if they say well, that. Well, believe me, see, that's the one thing. I think in the verbal art of war, yes. Where, yes. Um, I don't think there's anybody that's better than me in bringing a doctor down to the knees. Because the one yeah, thing that you I nail them good. Done what they've done. I teach what they teach. Yes. You know, so I, I know every single thing that they're on, on their um, on their level. Mm-hmm. And now that I've made this switch, you know, in the last 10, 15 years, they're not going to argue. Because I've told them, I said, I know what you know. Because yes. I used to teach it. Right. But you don't know what I know. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the mistake is that if you're not willing to open up the door, and I'm, fi- I'm fine with that. If you're not willing to open up the door and step out into the light, I understand that. I understand that most people are motivated by fear. And it's safe for you to be in your place, your closet of darkness, because you don't have to deal with the reality and the truth. But beware, if you open that door and step out, you will be hit by light. Mm-hmm. And once you hit and hit that by that light, you will never be able to go back into that closet again. 
All right, stand by. We've got to take a brief break here, and uh, we're going to wrap up Advanced Medicine with uh, Dr. Batar taking healing to new levels. And I am not exaggerating here. Fantastic journey today with Dr. Batar and Advanced Medicine. Stand by. We're coming right back with more powerful healing on the Robert Scott Bell Show after this. In the health world through the power of radio. It's the Robert Scott Bell Show. Well, this is one of those shows today, Dr. Batar, where I'm going to have people, I'm going to have to re listen, but I, I, I imagine people are going to listen to download and listen to this many times to get the description of autism like no one else has ever described it, nowhere else in media. And the fascinating thing about taking it beyond the sound bite, as we always do. But to get to this understanding of, of, you know, what these children are that are here to change the world and how they're being impacted negatively, and, of course, to be very succinct as possible in our, uh, let's say, perspective that these vaccines have no place in these children's lives and they're only doing harm, and we can do whatever we can to undo it. As you said, whatever you got, just use it. You know, hopefully we can get people plugged into what you're doing, and I've got all the links up to go to drbatar.com and more and get the book the nine steps to keep the doctor away because it is life transforming and it is empowering on so many levels. What we try to do here on the radio, it's in book, it's in print, it's in that book, Dr. Batar. I appreciate that, Robert. It, it is something that uh, has exceeded our expectations and, and I'm proud of it and uh, God's blessed us with the results in that book. Absolutely. Now we have a few more minutes to wrap up. I just want to always pop to the news occasionally. We, we like to uh, see your perspective on them. Here we have, well, there was a story here. U.S. doctors steeped in financial ties to drug money and big pharma. I'm thinking, well, is there anything new to say there? <laughs> no, I, don't, I don't think so. I think we can just move right off that. Off yeah, no, we, we carry on that one. Oh, this is interesting. All the, you know, all the green light bulbs, we've talked about this, the mercury-containing bulbs. Guess what? They're offshoring them to China. So all of the econo- economic demise we have here, all the green movement, eh, let China handle it. They've got plenty of mercury over there sending us green bulbs filled with mercury. Isn't that lovely? Lovely. I, I just love it that green bulbs, yeah. in other words, environmentally safe, uh, environmentally friendly components have the second most toxic substance in them. I mean, how, how does that work? How do you have something that's green yeah. and make it out of the second most toxic it's substance? It's Orwellian green. The new green is red, right? They just make yeah. it up as they go. <laughs> oh, here's a story. This one's going to bust you bad here. You ready for this, Dr. Bittar? Top drug makers spent $220 million on doctor speakers. How much of that did you get? Not my adequate fair share. <laughs> they're, you, they're, they're probably using that money against you. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, that's amazing. That is amazing. And that's why they make CME credits now so hard for continuing medical education credits because they don't want to have any speaker conflicts that are perceived. But in actuality, they all all these university-based studies, they're all getting paid to do all these studies. It's unbelievable. And all they're doing is accumulating a bunch of nonsense facts and then trying to you know, build a house out of those facts. So I always uh, say that, a house is built up of bricks, but a pile of bricks does not make a house. Similarly, science is built up on facts, but a pile of facts don't make science. And that's exactly what they do in these studies that they then go and publish. And these speakers are getting paid you know, hundreds of millions of dollars to go and present this data. And all it is is a bunch of facts, and they try to make science out of it. Yeah, it's absolutely amazing. And, and then, of course, they get drug approvals based on this nonsense. I mean, there's an FDA panel on bone drugs. They're, they're finding out, again, more pharmaceutical conflicts of interest, economics, and otherwise. 
a new report saying that they want to put time limits. I'm thinking, you know, set the egg timer on Boniva, right? Sally Field, don't take it for one more minute because, of yeah. course, they they stop the breakdown of normal bone cells so that new cells can come in and replace them and retain the integrity of the bones. And they think, oh, if we stop the breakdown, we'll, we'll help. But in the meantime, these bones are becoming brittle and abnormally diseased. And, you know, the fozzy jaw of Fosamax, I mean, this is an amazing story as well. It absolutely is. It's uh, it is scary that the that the popular crowd, in other words, the Hollywood crowd, or some of the celebrities and such, will jump on the bandwagon. And actually, you know, it's funny though. The, the counterpart of that's true too, because I think mm-hmm. I mentioned in the show here a few months back, Tom Hanks. Uh, this this actually took place uh, probably two three years ago, maybe even longer. Uh, Tom Hanks was on one of the shows, the Night Shows, Tonight Show, one of those shows, mm-hmm. and he had recently had some dental work done. The host made some fun of him because he couldn't speak properly, and he brought up the fact that he just had his mercury amalgams taken out of his mouth and how dangerous they were, and they went immediately to commercial. Like, bam! They was not like, we'll be back with so-and-so. They just cut it. It was like, you know, the national emergency broadcasting system went into play or something like that. It just yeah. totally went to commercial. And I was sitting there, sat up in my chair. I mean, the TV was on in the background. I was working on my computer, but when I heard that, I mean, I sat up, go to commercial. I'm like waiting for them to come back from commercial. They come back from commercial. Tom Hanks is interviewed, not a single mention about his mouth, teeth, why he couldn't talk, any All of that done. stuff. Yeah, like it never happened. Right, because he, I mean, he brought up the fact about the dental mercury, you know, dental amalgams, and they didn't want that on there at all. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's why I respect the, the few Hollywood uh, elitists, so to speak, that are not elite. They'll actually speak their mind truthfully about these things. There was uh, just, was it last week, Daryl Hannah got arrested in, in, in front of the White House. I mean, uh, we don't have to agree with everybody's politics, but I respect those who are willing to stand up for their beliefs in that way, even if it means less work for them much like the uh, so-called uh, reporters that don't report anything that just paired out the few that are willing to speak now are in the new media because the old media will not allow that to happen. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Dr. Batar, I'm real glad you're with me every week. This is uh, really creating uh, waves out there in the universe that are really splashing positive, empowering things for all the people willing to listen and tell their friends about it. Believe me, there are a lot more people that have yet to hear of the show and hear of you, and we want them all to know. Because this is where we bring them the power back to them, so to speak. And Dr. Batar, you're only here with me once a week. It's not enough, but we do whatever we can. And you have ways that people can learn more about you. I always encourage people to get your books. And there's lots of videos and things. But let everybody know where they can learn more. Well, there there are a number of different sites that are uh, available to people for resources. But we've got them all uh, in one location, so you, people can pick and choose whatever information they need, and that would be at medicalrewind.com. we got to do a lot more healing every day. There's not enough time, even though we're doing it every day. And, Dr. Batar, I'm grateful that you're with me every week. Robert, I'm grateful to be on the radio with you every week. Just here to remind you that the power to heal is yours. The Robert Scott the Bell Robert Show. Robert Scott Bell Show.